0: Glad you're here today. Uh, We are going to conclude our series on the end times. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? You enjoyed it? I've had a lot of fun teaching and uh, preaching these messages over the last few weeks. Today we are going to conclude the series. Um, And if you missed any of the messages, you can always go to BethesdaChurch.tv, catch back up, or download our church app. You could even subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. There's a lot of ways that you could catch up. Uh, To get all the info about the end times, I shouldn't say all the info, Um, you could talk for months on this subject, there's just a lot of material in the scripture about prophecy. Um, And if you'll remember, go back just a few weeks with me, little review before I get into today's message, is in week one we talked about Israel. Um, And the reason for that is that Israel plays a significant role in the end times, uh, we, we know from Scripture that the end cannot occur unless Israel exists, and that's significant because for almost 2,000 years, they did not exist, but in a single day, a nation was born again. Uh, it was rebirth in 1948, and that was the moment that we called the beginning of the end times. In week number two, we talked about the falling away, or what uh, many scholars call the apostasy. That is, people who were in relationship with God, but in the last days, many of them, their hearts, the the love of many, the Bible says, will wax cold. That a lot of people uh, will turn away from their faith because of the cares of this life, the anxieties uh, attached to the life that we're in. And so we talked about that. In last week's message, we talked about what time is it. And we we learned in that message that God is operating on a seven thousand year calendar, and we are near the fulfillment of six thousand years. With the understanding that one thousand years, the last one thousand years, is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And so, um, hit your neighbor and say, "Jesus is coming back." That was the wrong neighbor. Find a new one. Come on, tell him Jesus is coming back. All right, now, I want to conclude the the series by asking another question. I want to call this message, What Makes Our Generation Unique? What makes our generation unique? We are living in unusual, troublesome times. And I don't say that to bring fear into your life because the Scripture is very clear. The message of Jesus' return is not meant to bring fear into our lives, but it is supposed to bring hope. We are to encourage one another with this message. Another reason I think we should have hope and be encouraged by Jesus's return is because the scripture says, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and that our sons and daughters will prophesy. I don't know about you, but I am looking for a move of God's spirit upon not only my generation, but upon my children, where they prophesy and speak, thus saith the the word of God. How many are expecting that in the last days? Now, with that, this whole concept of are we in the last days, that's a question that a lot of people are are asking. It's a question that I get asked oftentimes as a pastor, and it's incredible to see how that question It it crosses all religious and societal lines. A recent Gallup poll, here's a stat that they gave. They said that 66% of Americans believe that Jesus Christ will return to the earth. So 66% of the United States believes that Jesus is coming back, which is odd considering that is 20% higher than the number of actual believers. So, so even people that don't come to church, don't follow Jesus, they believe he's coming back. And so this crosses societal lines, it, it crosses religious lines, a lot of people believe that Jesus is coming back, a lot of people are asking, you know, is this the last days? And, and not only are we asking that, the disciples ask the very same question. Look at Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse three, it says this, it says, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So as you can see, the disciples of Jesus were asking the same question that you and I are, at, are, are asking in our generation. Before we dive into the meat of the message today, a couple of things. I have some warnings. Um, that I want to give, kind of warnings that I think we need to be aware of as it relates to the end times. The first is this. If you are a person and you want to know everything about the end times, you need to know that cannot be accomplished in a four-week sermon series. There is way too much information, way too many scriptures for us to cover everything the Bible says in a four-week series about the end times. That's warning number one. The second warning is that is this. Like any topic, end times contains distractions, deceptions, and definite truths. All right? Now, I want you to follow this with me. In the message of the end times, it contains in this deceptions, distractions, and definite truths. Now, what are you talking about with distractions? Well, that's an odd statement to make on the fourth week of a series, but I want to make it because a lot of people, they become so fascinated with the future that they don't live with any application for today. I am gonna say it another way. Some people are so tied up in knowing when Jesus is going to return that they are not becoming more like Jesus today. Are y'all with me? So we can't get so tied in knowing the future that we're not becoming more like Jesus today. So there's distraction. Then there's deception. End times has become big business. A lot of books, a lot of DVDs, movies, um, people selling end times for to fund uh, airtime on TV or to fund their own ambition. And so we, we have to make sure we're not deceived in this message because You can take one portion of the Bible, and some people do this, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about end times or or healing or miracles or whatever topic you want. How many we can't build our whole life on one teaching? Jesus didn't just teach end times, He taught love, He taught marriage. He taught raising your kids, he taught healing, he taught miracles, and he taught in time. So I want you to hit your neighbor and say, expand your message. All right? I am a pastor and a teacher at heart, and so I have seen a lot of people take one thing and they want to build their whole life on one message, but we need to expand our message. Now, speaking of deception, a lot of people have tried to predict when Jesus would come back. I won't mention the name, but one guy wrote a book. Uh, He called it 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. Just in case you didn't know, Jesus didn't come back in 1988. All right, the same guy, the same guy who wrote that book, he also followed that bestseller up with books in 89, 1993, and 1994, all predicting when Jesus would come back. And my best guess is that he probably went on to be an incredible weatherman. (laughs) Some of y'all are going to get that on your drive home. The Bible doesn't say when Jesus is going to come back. It doesn't give us a day or an hour. It gives us signs of the time. Jesus himself doesn't know the day. He said, I don't even know. Only the Father in heaven knows. And so... This is so important that we understand. And, and, and these messages are not meant to bring fear, but to bring hope. And what the return of Jesus should do for you and I is to turn our hearts from worry to worship. Because our king who saved us is also coming back to get us. Amen? So it's, it, it's, a, it's a great thing. Now, story I want to tell real quick. Two pastors. One, his name was Leroy. Leroy. The other, his name was Larry. And they, um, can I use the word redneck? We're in West Virginia. (laughs) Two redneck pastors. And their churches were across the street from one another. And one Saturday, they both went out in front of their churches, and they started driving signs into the ground. Larry's sign read, The End Is Near. Leroy's sign read, Turn yourself around. And as they were posting these signs in the ground, and for everybody to see, there was a car that drove by and you know saw the signs and slowed down, and apparently it rubbed this gentleman the wrong way, so he rolled down his window and said, I can't stand hellfire preachers. You guys are a bunch of fanatics. A few seconds later, they heard screeching tires and a splash, and they looked at each other, the two pastors did, and they said, maybe we should change our signs to read Bridges Out. <laughs> Being aware of biblical signs is one of the keys to building your faith. 30% of your Bible is about prophecy. There are hundreds of scriptures that outline Jesus coming the first time. And there's hundreds of scriptures outlining Jesus returning for the church. Now, a lot of you would say, well, Pastor, every generation has believed that Jesus was coming back in their generation. And that is true. Every generation has believed that Jesus would come back in their time. But what separates our generation from all other generations is that in generations past, you would have one sign, possibly two signs that would happen at the same time. What's unique about our generation is that all signs are happening at the same time. And that's why the scripture refers to the coming of the Lord like a woman getting ready to give birth to a child. It, it compares it to the labor pains. How that the closer you get, the contractions happen more frequently. All right. They're happening, uh, you know, often. There's less time in between. And that's what we are seeing with the signs of the time. We are seeing all the signs happen at the same time. So I want to end this series by giving you six signs that make our generation unique. Six signs that make our generation unique. Number one, the gospel will be preached to the whole world. That is a unique sign to our generation. Hit your neighbor and say, this is my generation. All right, this hasn't happened until now. But Matthew twenty-four fourteen says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world As a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The word nations, uh, it's actually a better translation of that, is the word ethnicity. That every ethnic group has to hear the message of the kingdom, the gospel. Every people group has to hear the gospel before the end can come. Now today, unlike any other time in history, every people group on the planet has been identified, and there are over 7,000 different people groups. Now, it's one thing to identify all the people groups, but how many know that's not the whole job? We, we not only have to identify them, but we have to preach the gospel to all 7,000 people groups. Now, you say, well, well how does that apply to us? Well, years ago, what would happen is if, if you wanted to take the gospel To a brand new people group that you had just now identified or discovered, you would have to first off find a person who felt a call from God to go to another nation, to leave where they're from, to become a missionary. And so what you would do is you would have to train them, all right? You have to get them in Bible school, whatever that looked like. You got to train them. After you train them through three or four years of schooling, you send them to a nation, uh, in order to do that, how many you got to raise a lot of money to send them if they're going to live there? And then once they get there, they have to start building relationships, they have to learn the culture. And so that was the way you evangelized or that's the way you would proclaim the gospel to all the different people groups. And it took a lot of time. It took a lot of money uh, to make that happen. Now things have changed because of technology because you can take the Bible school and you can translate it into their language in that people group's language and you can put it on a thumb drive and send it over there and the gospel is there and the Bible is now being translated in like six or seven hundred different languages so that people all over the world can read the scripture for themselves. How many know in our generation the gospel is being preached all over the world unlike any other generation that lived before us? This is a unique sign that is connected to our generation. To date, the gospel has been translated into 670 languages. Christianity Christianity is now the largest uh, religion. I hate using the word religion, but that's how they list it on a statistic. Over 2 billion people are following Jesus. Um, Right now, today, every day in China, 30,000 people get saved. Think about that. That's unique to our generation. And and something else that I think will will help you grab this, more people have come to Christ in the last 17 years than in the previous 2,000 years. That is a unique sign to our generation. The second sign, we hit this in-depth in week one. If you missed it, go back and listen. But the relaunch of the nation of Israel, Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, it says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near, even so when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. In Scripture, all scholars and theologians agree that the fig tree is speaking of Israel. And before the 1940s, scholars and theologians could not understand how this prophetic statement Jesus made could ever come to pass because Israel did not exist. That's why we spent a whole message talking to them. How is this going to happen when the nation of Israel does not exist, but after World War II, we know that the nations of the world agreed because of the persecution that the Jews had suffered to, they they voted to to let them become a nation again. And so 2,000 years, they didn't exist, and in one day, a prophecy is fulfilled. And Jesus says, from the rebirth of Israel, we are one generation away from his return. Now, that's significant because he didn't say we're 5,000 years away once that happens. He says that generation will see the return of, of, of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. And so we asked in week one, how long is a generation? Well, Psalm 90 verse 10 says the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Did you know from 1948 to now, it's been 70 years on the button since Israel became a nation? Hit your neighbor and tell them, Jesus is coming. All right? You, you need to know. I can't stress this enough. The third sign. The third sign is technology. Technology. Technology has changed the game. The Bible talks about, in the book of Revelation, it talks about two witnesses that, are, um, that, that God raises up, and the Bible says these two witnesses are ministering during the great tribulation period. And they are messengers who are proclaiming God's message and his kingdom. And they come with supernatural power. But the Bible says that they are killed in a public square. So look with me at Revelation chapter 11. It says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, talking about the two witnesses, look at what these two witnesses are going to be able to do. Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So God's two witnesses have supernatural power, but they are killed. Now, here's the part you got to pay attention to. It says, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. I'm going to stop reading right there. These two witnesses are killed by the Antichrist and they're killed in a public square and the whole world sees this happen at the same time. Now this is where technology comes in because when I said that, a lot of you are thinking like scholars have for many years. How in the world is the whole world going to see an event happen at the same time? Now, we are quick to think immediately it has to be television, but what you and I often don't understand living in America is that television is not as prevalent all over the world as it is in our nation. We grew up with it. We understand TV and how they broadcast, but a lot of people live... Uh, where government controls what they can see, a lot of people don't have access to television at all, but here's one thing that most people are—they do have access to, and that is what has happened in the last 10 years, and that is social media. I know you didn't think Facebook and Twitter and Instagram could ever be spiritual, but did you know it could very well be the way that the whole world sees the same thing happen at the same time? I don't know how you get your news, but a lot of the news I get, I don't have to turn on a TV. I just look at my phone and I can see what's going on. And so the advancement of technology will allow the world to see these two witnesses of God being killed in the streets and their dead bodies lay there for three and a half days And the whole world will see it at the same time. That sign is unique to our generation. How many know you can go Facebook Live right now on your phone, and, and people all over the world can see your video? That has happened in the last 10 years. That is unique to our generation. So, number four travel and knowledge will rapidly increase. Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 says, But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words, seal them up, seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. The angel tells Daniel to shut this book up because it's not going to be understood until the end times. And here's how you're going to know, Daniel, that, you're, that, that the end times are here, is that people are going to go to and fro, they're going to travel, And knowledge is going to increase. The actual translation of that verse is the end will come and during the end times we will experience an explosion of travel and an explosion of knowledge. Now think about that. A hundred years ago, a person could only travel approximately 20 to 40 miles in one day. Some of you all traveled further than that on your way to church today. We saw... Buses and trains, they changed the game. And then automobiles. But in the 1960s and 70s, the common person was able to fly anywhere they wanted to go. Um, For a long time, it was just for those on top of the economic ladder. But how many of the average Joe can go get a ticket out of Roanoke and for $89, you can be in Florida this afternoon? Travel has increased. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have traveled internationally in the last two years? Raise your hand. Come on, raise them high. I want to see. It. You traveled internationally in the last two years. Hands are going up. Now did you know, let me show you where we're at. If I would have asked that question 50 years ago, there wouldn't have been any hands, and the reason is because if you had traveled internationally, you weren't back yet. <laughs> Travel has increased. But he, he, he not only talks about travel, he talks about knowledge. Studies tell us that from the beginning of man to the 20th century, knowledge increased about every 100 years. All right? Every 100 years. Today, knowledge is doubling every 12 months. There's not a book. There's not anything that maybe you want to know about. How many of you got access to it? everything in your hand with your phone. You have access to it. Um, We could talk about TV, fiber optics, the web, all of those things. IBM has recently stated that within a few years, due to the rapid expansion of artificial intelligence, knowledge will double not every 12 months, but knowledge will double every 12 hours. That is unique to our generation. Number five, birth of nuclear warfare birth of nuclear warfare, Zechariah 14 and 12, it says, this is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, people will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. Now, first off, that's probably not the scripture you're going to put on your refrigerator today. Before the 20th century, not a single generation could understand that verse. How is it possible for a person's flesh to be gone before their body can fall over? And I'll tell you how it's possible it's nuclear weapons. They go when, when there's a nuclear explosion, you have to understand it goes from zero degrees to 150 million degrees in one second. I was listening to a speech this past week from our president about our nuclear capabilities and what one blast could do to a country. For years, we had no clue how what Zachariah prophesied, how in the world could that happen, but we now know it's nuclear weapons. The sixth sign that makes our generation unique is that many will turn away from God. And and this subject we hit in week number two, but look at Matthew 24 and 10. It says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. In America, some say Christianity is declining. Some say flatlining. The truth is, is that it is polarizing. For a long time, people have claimed Christianity because it was the cultural norm to be a Christian. As society, though, has progressed, we've become more progressive, a lot of people no longer even feel the need to have an appearance of faith. And so we have a a major digression in people following Jesus. Now, I want to show you from the Barna group some stats that I think you will find interesting today. Um, The builder generation are the people born between 1927 and 1945. Do we have any builder generation folks in the house? Come on, Ray, don't be shy. Don't be shy to give away your age. All right, now check this out about the builders. 65% of them are Bible-based believers, 65%. Watch what happens, though, in the next generation. They labeled the boomer generation. People born between 1946 and and 1964, only 35% of them are Bible-based believers. The Buster generation, which is my my generation, 1965 to 1985, only 16% are Bible-based believers. And then finally, my children, the Bridger generation, 1986 to now, they say if trends continue, only 4% of that generation will be saved. And I want to just stop right here and insert for all of us that we do what we do because of the Bridger generation, because as long as I see 4% of that generation being saved, that's why we're going to do everything. That's why we're going to have loud music and crazy lights, and we're going to do at the movies in two weeks, is because there's 4% of a generation that needs Jesus. And as long as I'm the pastor, we're going to do anything short of sin to reach that generation so we can take that number from 4% back up to where it needs to be. How many we ought to be going after 100%? Whatever it takes. I'll get my preach on here in just a second. So, verse 11, though, check this out. He said, many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. 57% of evangelical Christians, 57% of them, believe that many religions lead to eternal life. I mean, that's sad. That 57% believe there's multiple ways to eternal life. Religious tolerance is at an all-time high. And I want you to hear my heart today. The problem isn't that people don't believe in anything. It's that they believe in everything. They believe in everything. Many people are deceived into thinking that there's more than one way common sense though would tell you that people traveling in opposite directions cannot end up at the same destination the problem today is that if you say that if you preach that you're labeled a bigot a fanatic well pastor you can't preach that cuz that you you just don't you're graceless you don't you don't have grace for people well how many of you all would agree that Jesus was the most grace-filled person who ever walked the earth right do you believe that Jesus is the most grace-filled person who ever walked the earth. And when he was asked about getting to God, here was Jesus' response in John 14 and 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except Through me. Our message has to be clear. There is one way to eternal life, and his name is Jesus. There's only one who laid his life down, but also picked it back up again after three days, and that is the message of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. So many of us, we are faced with so many avenues where people are challenging us. And and, and listen, we're going to be grace-filled. We're going to love people, but we're also going to preach the truth. We have to tell them the truth. We started the whole series by asking, are we living in the last days? And I've done a lot of research. I've studied the Bible. I've listened to pastors that are much smarter than me. And I have concluded, we are living in the last days. We are living. We are there. Now, with that, you need to know that this message, for a lot of people, and the Bible says, talks about how the last days would cause a lot of people's hearts to fail them because of fear. That fear would become this heavy thing on people's hearts that would weigh them down. Here's what Luke 21 and 9 says. It says, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. If this message, if this series has created fear in you, you have missed the point of the series, and more importantly, you have missed, the point of the prophetic. God gave us the prophetic not to conceal it. He gave it to us to reveal it. He wants us to know the signs. He wants us to know the time that we are in. He wants us to know that he's coming back for us. And here's what we need to know. Love is the cornerstone of everything God does, including the execution of his end time plans. How many love is is why God does everything he does? It's why he gave us all these scriptures about his return. So he has prepared us. And as important and as valuable as the question of, are we living in the last days? That's a very important question. I think there is a more important question. And that more important question is simply, how are you living your last days? You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean my last days? Well, you need to know, the scripture is very clear, our life is like a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether this is the last days or not, you are living in your last. When you compare 70 years, 80 years, even 100 years, if you compare that to eternity, how many? that's not even a drop in the bucket. When you stand it up to eternity, it's not even a drop in the bucket. Romans 13 and 11 says, And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So we don't need to focus on how much time remains. We need to focus on what am I doing with my remaining time. So I'm going to leave you with three things that we need to do, these are three actions. We're living in the last days. Here's three actions we're going to close this series out with. Action number one, you need to think clearly. Everybody say that. Think clearly. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 21, 34. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. So Jesus is saying, I want you to think clearly because if you make this world your focus his return will come on you like a trap eternal thinking is clear thinking see when we only live for what's in front of us if we only live for this world how many of them, we're not going to be prepared for his return we're not going to be ready for that we're not going to be prepared for that we have to live our lives in light of eternity the second thing Not only do we think clearly, number two, this is so important, invest in others. Invest in others. Now, you say, well, why why do we need to focus? If Jesus is coming back, why do I need to focus on people? And the answer is very simple. It's the only thing in your life here that will also be in heaven. The only thing you're going to be able to take with you are the people you're connected with. Your house is not going with you. Your bank account, it's not going. Your old car that you got in a garage and protect, and don't let anybody even breathe on it. That baby ain't going with you. The only thing you can take with you are the people in your life. So it's not about, and, and, and listen, the reason I know, listen, if, if I told, if we all knew Jesus is coming back in two months, we just knew it. He's coming back, in, God, God told it. He's coming back on October the 19th. The next two months, I guarantee you, you would not be worried about a promotion. You wouldn't be worried about making more money, building a bigger house, buying another car, going on this trip or that trip. i tell you what you'd be doing over the next 60 days. You would be spending it with the people you love, with the people you care about. And not only would you be spending it with them, you would be sharing the message of Jesus because if we love them, we want them to go with us. Amen? That's, that's what we would be doing. So you've got you to make it a priority to invest in others. First Peter 4, 8 and 9 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. I'm almost done. It says, Each one should use whatever gift he, he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So we got to think clearly. We need to invest in others. And number three, have hope. Have hope. Look at this verse. Luke 21, 28. Worship team, you all can come back. Thank you. Here's what Jesus said. Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, build a bunker. (laughs) When these things begin to take place, buy all the ammo you can get. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading that wrong. When you see these things take place, watch this. He says, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. I am so tired of people using the message of Jesus' return to simply create fear. God gave us this message, and Jesus is coming back not to create fear, but to give us hope. See, this world, you, you, you may be living in a bubble and don't really know what's going on, but this world is sick and messed up. It is a messed up world. When I think about this world and, and you, you, you look at it and you look at the drugs and, and, and the hate and the divorce and, and sex slavery and, and all the things that go on that's so sick and so messed up and, and, and what you need to know, Jesus is coming back to make all the things that are wrong with the world, Jesus is coming back to make all those things right. That's what Jesus is about to do. That's what the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ is. All the messed up stuff will be under the rule of God's kingdom for 1,000 years, and you and I get to rule and reign with him while he's making this mess of a world right again. How many are excited about Jesus making this world right again? Come on. If you believe it, stand to your feet. Let's give God a praise for Jesus' return. It's a time of hope. It's a time to be encouraged. It's a time to invest in others, to think clearly. Our Savior is coming back to make all that's wrong right. Now, with that, if you're in this place and, and this this whole thing of Jesus coming, well, Pastor, that, that brings fear into my heart. There's only two reasons why you would have fear. The first is you don't have understanding. You don't have. I hope we've cleared up any understanding issues you've had over the last four weeks. Hopefully, we put your heart at ease. The second reason why you would have fear is that if you've not surrendered your life to the lordship of Christ, how I many? If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you ought to be afraid, because what's coming is not pretty. But Jesus is coming to take us out of here, and then we're going to come back and reign with Him. It's a very powerful concept. And, and Jesus paid a big price to know you personally, to save you, to change you. He, he paid the price. He's ready to forgive you. Look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will freely pardon How many of you have received God's grace in your life? Amen. Isn't it awesome that he has extended his grace? But listen, if you're here and you don't know him, he wants to extend the same grace that changed me is the same grace that will change you. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. No one looking around. If you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to make him the Lord of your life. If that's you today, and you want to know Jesus, you want to be saved, if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. I want to make things right with God today before I leave. That's me, Pastor. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. If you're watching online, we would love to pray for you as well. If you need, need to know Jesus as your personal Savior, anyone at all, We'll ask our prayer team and staff to come and get in place at this time. We would love to pray with you and for you. Before we do that, though, can we just give God the best praise we can right now for His Word? Come on, high five three people and tell them Jesus is coming back.